This is the Athletic Football Show. Championship weekend is here, one of the best football weekends of the season, and we are here as well at the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast and the Athletic Football Show to talk you through the NFC Championship between the Packers and the Buccaneers, the AFC Championship between the Chiefs and the Bills from a gambling perspective. I am Michael Beller. I am joined, of course, by Vic Tafer. Vic, what's going on, man? Three games left this season. Very excited for this weekend that we've got ahead of us. Yeah, I'm excited. Maybe be a little more excited if not for last week's debacle, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. <laughs> well, let's get into that. Let's uh, let's uh, really quickly circle back to last weekend before we talk about the championship games that we've got ahead of us. We nailed the Packers. You and I were both very heavy on the Packers. We uh, said it was a game we were very confident in, and yeah, I think that 14 point uh, difference in the game doesn't really fully convey just how much the Packers owned that game from start to finish. Uh, so that was good. We started the weekend off on a strong note. We were different sides of Bills and Ravens. I ended up being right. You ended up being wrong on that one. The Chiefs, that's the one that really hurts here because I think they're headed to a relatively easy cover of the 10, 10 and a half, 11, wherever you ended up landing on with that. I think they're headed to a pretty easy cover before Patrick Mahomes suffered the concussion and went out of that game. And then we had Saints and Buccaneers, which I've got something to say on, but I know you want to say something on Chiefs and Browns, so I'll let you take that one away. I agree with you. I think that game definitely uh, Chiefs covered that one pretty easily if Mahomes doesn't get uh, – I don't even know if it was a concussion or if he was just choked out, whatever it was, but mm-hmm. um, I thought that was definitely a game that uh, people who bet the Chiefs should have covered that one. And hey, I right? even was kind of heartbroken, heartbroken by the Ravens game, going back to the Ravens, when I thought the Ravens – I think they had five possessions into the 30, had three points. I think uh, Lamar Jackson got hurt, but that, that, that point it was pretty much over. But mm-hmm. I just thought they were right there the whole game. I thought the Bills couldn't, uh, couldn't throw the ball deep. That was a big, uh, big factor. So that one also hurt. So I was just, uh, I was reeling the whole weekend. After that great uh, first game, <laughs> it was just heartbreak city for me the rest of the weekend. You know, it's uh, th- those three games, and certainly the two, the, the two nightcaps, were, I think, defined by one turnover. Right, you had the pick six in Ravens and Bills, and that ultimately uh, decided the game. And maybe if Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt, the Ravens are able to cobble something together. But like you said, it was pretty much over uh, by the time Lamar gets hurt. But if that ends up being a touchdown, we're talking about a tie game. Even if it ends up being a field goal, we're talking about a 10-6 game instead of a 17-3 game where it really felt like the Ravens were fighting a big uphill battle. They're just not that type of team. right? They're not the sort of team that you want to be betting on down by two touchdowns to make a comeback. And then Saints and Buccaneers... That game, you know, it's easy to look back on that game and feel as though the Buccaneers were clearly the better team throughout. But Jared Cook, if he doesn't fumble that ball uh, in, in that was in in Tampa territory, we're talking about a first and 10 from about the Tampa 45, four and a half minutes left in the game, and the Saints up by a touchdown. That game looks a whole lot different if Jared Cook doesn't fumble. And then from that point forward, Tampa completely dominated the game. It was a, a a clinic, again, from Tom Brady in closing out victories uh, with the way that they turned a seven-point deficit into a 10-point win in about 19 minutes of football time and you know what we've come to expect from Tom Brady over his you know singular football career. But that game looks a lot different if Jared Cook holds on to that ball after picking up the first down. 
Yeah, I agree with you. That was a huge fumble. Plus, you know, Drew Brees was terrible. I mean, if he yeah. was just like uh, bad or like below average, they think they won that game easily. But he was awful. I think um, you know they didn't take advantage of the, the Bucks secondary. Michael Thomas turns out needs surgery, like multiple surgeries on his ankle. He played hurt, so didn't take advantage of what I thought was the Bucks' big weakness. So just uh, and Tom Brady didn't play very well. I thought I thought Brady did not play very well. Actually, to be honest, so I think that's an edge for this week. Going looking ahead, I think the Bucks definitely. Uh, Got a little lucky on that one. And maybe we um, are giving away a little bit what we think about the uh, championship games this weekend with the way that we look back on how we did last week. So hopefully it's more of the, the same that we saw from the first game, right? Like we said, we loved the Packers. Believe that, I think you said it was your favorite play of the weekend. I said it was my second favorite play of the weekend. So we were both very confident in the Packers taking care of business against the Rams. Hopefully we can find more plays like that for championship weekend. We put the divisional round behind us and we get on to championship weekend right here. Let's do it, Vic. Let's talk championship games. The NFC game is the first game of the day on Sunday. We are taking these lines as Vic and I are recording this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast and the Athletic Football Show. It is Thursday afternoon, so that is when we are taking these lines. Things could change, point, half point here or there, but we are locking these in right here, right now, Thursday afternoon. Packers, three and a half point favorites playing this game in Lambeau against the Buccaneers. 51 is the over-under in this one. Vic, I love the Packers. I think the Packers are winning the Super Bowl. I've been saying that for a few weeks. They were my pick before we started the playoffs. The Saints were my pick before the season. Packers were my pick before the playoffs. Nothing that they have shown us, and nothing, frankly, anyone else has shown us in these playoffs leads me to believe that the Packers are not the best team here. I love Love, love, love the Packers. Minus three and a half in this one. Where are you at on it? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm fully still on the bandwagon. I think last week they were very impressive last week. And there's some value. The Lions down to three points now. People are buying the Tom Brady uh, stuff. So I just think, like you said, they're, they're the hottest team. Well, I, the Bills are actually also very hot. But one of the hottest teams in the league, Aaron Rodgers, MVP season. Something to prove because they played poorly against the Bucks last time. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely not going, they're going with the right approach. I'm sure trying to fix all the problems they had the first time. So... I just think they're a more balanced team, both sides of the ball, and they're at home, which is a big factor. Shouldn't be too cold, but I'll be cold enough. I think that the home field advantage still stands. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I love the Packers. Yeah, Shiel Kapadia and Ted Wynn, two of our colleagues here at The Athletic, have uh, really great breakdowns on both of these games. Uh, and I read through both of them uh, this week. If you're an Athletic subscriber, you are definitely going to want to check those out before you make your plays. And hey, if you're not an Athletic subscriber, good chance to get it in right here, right now. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod and you can get yourself a subscription for $3.99 a month and you can check out everything we do at The Athletic, including these two columns that I am talking about. But uh, they point out, and this is something that we've talked about with the Buccaneers all season, this is a team that has been susceptible to the deep pass. They uh, have given up their fair share of big plays. It is a very strong run defense, but as good as Aaron Jones is, as good as Jamal Williams can be as a secondary piece, uh, as dangerous as A.J. Dillon has shown himself to be in spurts over the last couple of games for the Packers here, that's still not where the bread is buttered. It is still, the money is made for this team through the air and off the play-action game, and that is something I think that Aaron Rodgers can bring to bear against this Buccaneers team. Actually, one bet that I have uh, already made, in addition to Packers minus three and a half, 
is Marquez Valdez-Scantling to score the first touchdown in this game because I think that they are going to be um, susceptible to what the Packers do with some of their concepts, pushing the ball deep down the field. And I I think that's just ultimately where the difference in this game is. You pointed out in last week's game for the Buccaneers against the Saints how bad Drew Brees was. And and it was not as though Drew Brees' bad play started with the Jared Cook fumble that I referenced. He was not playing well, really, from the start of that game. And as we already went over, we're talking about inside five minutes left in the third quarter and the Saints holding a touchdown lead over the Buccaneers before that Jared Cook fumble. And you're just not going to see, I feel comfortable saying, of course, it's not a 0% chance, but I feel comfortable saying you're not going to see Aaron Rodgers play the way that Drew Brees played against this team last week. You're not going to see Aaron Rodgers play the way he played against the Buccaneers back in week six when the Buccaneers crushed the Packers, the one true bad game Aaron Rodgers had all season, Buccaneers a 38-10 victory. They really troubled him with the blitz in that game, and since then, this is a stat that blew my mind. I wish I could remember where I saw it, but I can't. I want to give credit where credit is due. I'll, I'll try to find it and put it out there, but... Zero sacks taken on blitzes by Aaron Rodgers since that week six game. That is a remarkable statistic, Vic. And they've done it the last couple of weeks without David Bakhtiari also. And that's obviously a loss for this team, but they, I think, have absorbed it. And you know this line has just been excellent really all season, and especially from that Buccaneers loss on uh, the way that this line has protected Aaron Rodgers, the way that he has been shifty in the pocket, as we know he can still be at 37 years old. I just think that's really where the difference in this game is made, that there's probably no unit playing better football right now than the Green Bay Packers offense and really the Green Bay Packers passing game. And if you look at the way the league has gone, and why these four teams are alive, it is because of their passing offenses, the top four passing offenses in the league by almost any single metric that actually isn't just volume-based, and that is why they're here, and I think that is ultimately what makes the difference in this game. I just don't want to be against Aaron Rodgers in another MVP season for him with the way that he is playing. Is there anything that scares you off this game? Like, if we're, if we're wrong, what do you think goes wrong for us in backing Green Bay? Well, I think the running game of the Buccaneers is a little dangerous. Fournette's playing pretty well. Ronald Jones is running hard all season long. I think the Packers have been vulnerable to the running game at times. So I think if those two guys got going, I definitely could change the tempo of the game. I think that would be the one thing I'd be worried about. Yeah, you know, uh, we saw Ronald Jones get back on the field after being active, right, in the uh, the first game of the playoffs against Washington, but uh, dealing with uh, a leg injury in that game and didn't actually touch the ball. I don't think he actually even stepped on the field in that game. Got back on the field last week, got 13 carries, looked pretty much like his regular self. I would imagine we do see some sort of breakdown between he and Leonard Fournette in this one. And I think that's also, I, I agree with you, as much as, you know, obviously, we're not going to see, you know, even if the Buccaneers win, we're not going to see a 20-17 to 17 game in this, I don't think. We're not going to see the Buccaneers win with Tom Brady throwing for 170 yards and one touchdown and one interception. That's just not going to be how it goes. But I do think, as good as Tampa's offense has been recently, that they are the team that benefits from slowing this game down. They are the team that benefits from keeping the other team's quarterback off the field and making this a game of limited possessions, as few possessions as there possibly can be. And with the efficiency of these offenses, that could play out. That script could come to fruition, and we would still be talking about like a 27-24 to game. Again, I do not think we're looking at a low-scoring game with these two teams getting together. But that is where the Buccaneers do have 
a significant advantage uh, is running the ball. They don't want to do that, obviously. You know, Bruce Arians has never wanted to do that in his career as a head coach, and they're still going to push the ball down the field quite a bit. But I do think that that's where this could end up being a difference for Tampa is there. You also have to consider the fact that Jair Alexander has been asked to lock down receivers. The Packers are willing to shadow with Jair Alexander. Obviously, the Buccaneers have three, have you know, two great receivers as of right now. We're not exactly sure what the state of the uh, play is going to be for Antonio Brown after the injury he suffered last week. But it's going to be Jair Alexander on Mike Evans, right? I mean, with Chris Godwin mostly being a slot guy now, Antonio Brown not being at 100%. And at the respective stages of their career, maybe Mike Evans is just the more dangerous guy. It's Jair Alexander against Mike Evans. And I'm not suggesting that Jair Alexander can totally take away Mike Evans, but he can make things a hell of a lot harder on Mike Evans than things were for him last week against the Saints, against Marshawn Lattimore. And Marshawn Lattimore did a great job on Mike Evans. At one catch, right? it was a touchdown, but still, I think it's going to be, uh, it could be another tough day for Mike Evans in this one. And Chris Godwin's the guy who scares me from the Packers' perspective because I think that's really where you can attack this defense is in the middle of the field and Chris Godwin not having to face that Alexander coverage. That's where things, I think, can be stepped up in a way for Green Bay's pa- or for Tampa Bay's passing game, excuse me, uh, that does ultimately get the Packers into trouble. But I still really like the Packers in this one. Um, is there anything else that you're thinking about in this game before we move on to the AFC? No, I think we've got it pretty much covered. I think we're, uh, we've got all our reasons to check and all our fears checked. I think we're, I think we're good. All right, so uh, here we are. Here's a consensus pick. They didn't treat us so well in the regular season. We were right at 500 at the end of the year, but uh, we're consensus in the NFC. We are both backing the Packers three, three and a half. Uh, you're seeing it. You know, a lot of places where you see it at three, you see it at like minus 120 or minus 125, some ridiculous odds like that. I would rather just go to the three and a half and take it at minus 110, but that's basically where you're going to see it. That's what you're going to have to do. Both Vic and I are feeling the Packers in this one, moving on to the Super Bowl. Let me just say one more thing before I uh, get us over to the AFC game. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but, like, you know, Tom Brady, this is remarkable, and it would be crazy for him in his first year in Tampa to take the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl and just, you know, make this, like, just the, the like, further, like, cement on top of cement on top of cement of what a career this guy has had, but... The football fan, take take any rooting interest out of it. Shouldn't the impartial football fan want to see another Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl? I think it would be a real shame if this guy retires, and it's not going to happen after this season, but just has one Super Bowl to his name. right? Just one Super Bowl appearance, saying not even Super Bowl win. Just one Super Bowl appearance for Aaron Rodgers? I think that would be a real shame. It's not his fault that Brandon Bostick thought he should be the person recovering an onside kick and at Jordy Nelson a couple of years ago against Seattle. It's not his fault that his defense gave up 51 points to the Cardinals a couple of years ago in the NFC Divisional round, uh, but that could be a way that Aaron Rodgers ends up going out again. And I just really, with the way that his career has gone, I would love to see him get at least one more Super Bowl appearance. Win-loss, whatever happens in the Super Bowl happens, I want to see him get at least one more Super Bowl appearance, and we know he has a great shot to get it this week. So that's that's another rooting interest that I've got in this one. Yeah, it does feel like it's his year. Um, I will say this, though. If uh, the Bucs somehow win this game and Brady's playing Super Bowl at home, I think they win the whole thing. I think the Bucs, just like, if they win this weekend, I think they win the whole thing. So I think, uh, which is ridiculous considering he's coming to a new team. He's 43 years old. But, uh, <laughs> didn't have got, a regular summer. Didn't have a yeah, training camp or, uh, exactly. Excuse, to work out any of the kinks. Yeah. The excuse that every coach uses this season about how, you know, 
no mini camps and training camp was a joke and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he came into a new team and just took <laughs> over and had no problems. It's pretty amazing. I mean, obviously everyone says all the time, he's just a, he's a unique guy, just a one of a kind. And just, I know Raider fans hate the guy, but even Raider fans, I think, tip their cap to him once in a while just because of uh, longevity and just, uh, and here we are again. This is 12th conference championship game. That's, that's ridiculous. 14th. I just think, um, 14th, 14th, I'm sorry, 14th championship my bad. So, yeah. So, see, even better. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you on Aaron Rodgers. I think this is his year. But uh, if not, I think it quickly becomes Brady's year all, all of a sudden. Uh, two things really quick for the, for the before we move on to the AFC game. First, a uh, stat. This one I do remember. I saw it. Hat tip to our uh, colleague, Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals. You can also hear Bengals podcast. Hear that podcast, Crowlin, if you are a Bengals fan. Um, he put this out there after the Buccaneers beat the Saints. Uh, the most conference championship appearances by team since uh, the, the merger, since uh, 1970. Uh, you have, I believe it was the 49ers at the top. I can't remember who else was up there. There were two, maybe the Cowboys. I can't remember what it was, but there were two teams that had six, can't be the Cowboys, but whatever. Two teams with 16, maybe it was the Steelers uh, with 16. Then you had the Patriots with 15, and then you had Tom Brady with 14. That's just, I mean, that is insane that there have been effectively two teams because the Patriots are only there because of Tom Brady, right? So there are two teams, teams that have more appearances in the conference championship round since 1970 than Tom Brady. Just absolutely ridiculous so that is thing one and then thing two i'll ask you here is so you're saying the winner of the nfc is going to win the super bowl we're going to get to the afc game in the second but for the super bowl you think that this the winner of this one ultimately wins it all that's a good question actually i, I think uh, i mean well i'm gonna tease my hand but i'm still a mahomes guy so i think mahomes rogers will be a great game i'm not sure who i pick in that one but i just think the base on the way it would be set up for brady playing at home uh, with all momentum, I think that they, they beat the Chiefs. But uh, I'm not sure about the Packers versus Chiefs. Right. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, you were able to get the NFC representative at like plus 120, plus 125. So uh, that definitely is looking good. But finally, we'll put a bow on this one. We both like the Packers to move on and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. All right, AFC time, Bills and Chiefs. This one we've been building to for a long time, Vic, right? I mean, the NFC, we did have some you know, sort of jockeying for position. Uh, Green Bay got out to a quick start, but then they had a little bit of a hiccup, and they lost that game to Tampa. Tampa obviously came in with all the fanfare with Tom Brady. Maybe they were the best team. Maybe Green Bay was the best team. Seattle got off to that ridiculous start to the season. You know, maybe they looked like the best team in the NFC for a time. There was some jockeying before things settled on Green Bay being the best team in the NFC. In the AFC, despite the fact that we had, uh, what, eight teams win at least 10 games in the AFC and all seven teams were 11 wins or better, it's been relatively clear for a while now that the Chiefs and the Bills have been the two best teams in the AFC. So as fun as a Cinderella story is, I do like to see the best teams, the teams we know are the best, squaring off for the biggest stakes. And that's definitely what we have in this AFC championship game between the Bills and the Chiefs. We've got a field goal spread here. Obviously, we are all expecting Patrick Mahomes to be out there for the Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by that field goal. 54 is the over-under. You already gave it away. You're still on the Chiefs here, so make the case for the Chiefs to uh, not only win this game and go back to the Super Bowl for the second straight year, but cover the three. Well, first off, just looking at the line, I think there's a good value. I think you look back at the earlier matchup this season at Buffalo, the Chiefs were minus five and a half. They covered pretty easily. I think... um, I know the Bills have gotten a lot better since they've been on a roll, but still, I think three 
points at home, laying three at home with Patrick Mahomes, who I think is going to be fine. It looks like all the cases that he's practicing, seems like he's okay. I think, again, he, I think he's more choked out than he was, uh, sustained a concussion. But, so I think they were rolling last week with him. I got a one easily last week. So there's some value there because that didn't happen. So I think that they're the better team. They're at home and the best player in the league plays for them. So I think the Chiefs are uh, a good value bet. It's hard to look back at that game and take too much from it, I feel like. For one, you said, as you said, the Bills have been so much better since that point of the season. Uh, for another, we have some injuries on Kansas City side that did not exist at the time, some injuries on Buffalo side that did exist at the time and no longer do, the uh, most important of which being Matt Milano, their star linebacker, did not play in the first meeting between these teams. He's healthy. He's good to go. Uh, you do have Zach Moss, who is out for Buffalo, but... Yeah, this this game, just like the first one, um, I, I think is going to be defined by the two teams' passing attacks. And I keep going back and forth on this one, Vic. You know, as we started the show, I really wasn't sure still uh, where I wanted to land on this one. And right now I'm with you. Right now I do lean toward the Chiefs. And it does, you know, as simplistic as it feels like saying, it comes down to Patrick Mahomes for me. And uh, I think we have we have no reason to believe he won't be uh, fully healthy and ready to go in this one. And... You just want to trust the best player on the field, right? You want to trust the best player on the field at the most important position. And all due respect to Josh Allen, uh, he definitely could outplay Patrick Mahomes. It would not; none of us would be shocked if we're sitting here uh, talking about uh, Josh Allen, you know, being the better quarterback that day than Patrick Mahomes. That is definitely something that is in the reason, reasonable range of outcomes for this game. But when we're talking about two great teams, uh, uh, field goal spread. Yeah, more often than not, I want to ride with the best player at the most important position, and that is still Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I think that the you know the Bills this has not been the same defense uh, all really all season from Buffalo that we saw a year ago, and as we saw in that game against Cleveland, this uh, this Kansas City team is just very creative in getting ways to get at least one of Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill beneficial matchups every single snap that they take. And again, I'm going to reference the uh, column that Shiel and Ted wrote uh, on the AFC side of the bracket. They talk about, they reference Sean McDermott after that game in the regular season, talking about how you have to pick your poison against the Chiefs. And, you know, McDermott meant run versus pass, pick your poison. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire tore them up for 160-something yards in that game. But you know, Shiel and Ted in their column make the point that it's also pick your poison versus uh, when it comes to Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. And that makes things so tough. And as great as Buffalo has been uh, through the air this season, as great as Josh Allen has been, as much of a weapon as he is, as dangerous as he is running the ball, you take away Stephon Diggs and things can look a lot different for Buffalo's offense. Taking taking away Stephon Diggs is much easier for me to sit here and say than it's going to be for Kansas City to actually do on Sunday. But if they can find a way to slow Stephon Diggs down, and they're talking about, you know, death by a thousand cuts with with Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie. And hopefully John Brown doesn't beat you for a big one deep. Hopefully Gabriel Davis doesn't beat you for a big one deep. And you can keep that Buffalo offense in check. Kansas City's offense, it, it is very hard to take away both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on you know individual plays, let alone for an entire game. It's just something that, frankly, we haven't seen this entire season. You go back and look through Kansas City's game logs. One of those guys has gotten going in every single game for this team this year, if not both of them. And I think that's where a difference is made, is that these teams are so even in what they do. They're so both so dangerous. They both want to throw the ball. They both want to spread you out. They're both so good 
at doing all of those things. Neither of them are going to lean on the run game too much, so no Zach Moss, potentially no Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I don't think that's going to be a... You know, we're, we're not going to be talking about the run game deciding this. You know, we talk about uh, Green Bay being susceptible to the run and Tampa not wanting to run, but I could see a scenario in which we talk about Tampa's run game being the difference in that one, even though I think Green Bay covers. I don't think we're going to be talking about either of these run games, either of these run defenses being the difference in this AFC game. It is going to be decided through the air. And I think that I think it's a fair enough tiebreaker to say Patrick Mahomes plus Travis Kelsey plus Tyree Kill is greater than Josh Allen plus Stephon Diggs plus the rest of what the Bills bring. Uh, in their passing game. And so that's ultimately why I end up falling on the Chiefs. I could see myself going back and forth on this one another 50 times before the game actually kicks off on Sunday. It's why I prefer putting way more of my betting allowance for Sunday into Green Bay. It's why I actually like playing the total in this game and leaning toward the over 54 rather than playing uh, the, the side. But I do lean toward the Chiefs being the side to go with here. Uh, do you have any feel on the total? Do you think this game plays the way that people are hoping it'll play and it's a fun back-and-forth high-scoring game? Yeah, I think it should. I, I am curious, though. Like, if you're the Bills, you're looking at the Chiefs' run defense. It's not very good, so I know it's not what you do. You don't run the ball, but I think there is something there, too. I think I'm curious if this week in practice, they're like, you know what? We can actually can run the ball. So the reason why we can't establish a run, which will make things easier for you, mentioned Stephon Diggs and, and, and Josh Allen. So I'm just curious if they're going to keep up this whole approach of, like, you know, forget the running game, we're going to just do what we do. Or try and catch the Chiefs a little off guard, and actually that could possibly work. So I'm kind of curious if they do try that this weekend. Do you think that I mean, there's something to be said, right, for dancing with the girl who brought you to to the dance? And I mean, obviously for for the Bills, it's been Josh Allen, it's been Brian Dable spreading things out. It's been you know ten personnel, um, you know, occasionally not even having one of those guys out there with uh, with Dawson Knox, and you know, just letting Josh Allen do what he does and. I wonder if they would want to change things on the fly like that. I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that there could be some merit to it. I think they would be more apt to do that if they had both Zach Moss and Devin Singletary at their disposal, though. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, they, they've shown they can throw the ball against anybody, and, and Josh Allen's having a great year. So I think that's probably the way to go, trying to get in a shootout. But it's hard to win shootouts against the Chiefs, <laughs> really. It's hard, it's hard to beat them in general. But I just think that some teams in the past have had success kind of limiting their possessions. So, and maybe since their run defense is not that great, maybe that's something you try and do and catch them off guard. I think that would be, be a bold move, but, yeah, it, mm-hmm. might, it might just be effective. But I agree with you. If they go in, all guns blowing like they probably will, should be a high-scoring game. And I think – um, there's a chance they can outscore the Chiefs, but I, I don't think they will. But there's definitely a chance. They're one of the only teams that can do it. I guess the, the teams that can do it are the four teams that are left, or the three teams that are left in addition to the Chiefs. And I think that's why these four teams are here and the way we should, excuse me, the way that we should continue to see long-term, year-over-year-over-year contenders built in the NFL is by being able to just put up more points. And I don't care how many points you put up because I can put up one more than however many points you put up. I think that's a big reason why these four teams are still here. Um, so we're both on the Chiefs, although, I don't know, like, again, like, there are there are plenty of bets that I find myself liking this weekend more than Kansas City minus three. One of them, you know, our teaser, they, the Chiefs, they, they made it tricky. The Browns made it tricky for us. But our uh, big teaser of the week, we should have been doing this all season, Vic. We'll, we'll, we'll refine things. <laughs> we'll get back to it next year. Uh, but our big teaser of the week last week came through with flying colors. Green Bay minus a half. Green Bay money line. Chiefs minus four. Chiefs win that game by five. We're feeling it. So, you know, I, I really like as a teaser for this week, 
Green Bay, they would be plus three, plus two and a half, you know, whatever you end up getting a match somewhere in there. Green Bay plus a field goal, we'll say, uh, just for the sake of conversation. And then Bills plus nine. For me, that's the teaser of the week. Is there a, a, a different way you would go? That sounds good. We should change the name of our show to the Big Tease. That'd be good. Like we it. might get the wrong sort of listeners if that's what we put <laughs> as the title of the show. I don't know if that's exactly hey, what we want to go. We can work Listeners are good. Any kind of listeners are good. We take all listeners. It's all <laughs> good. We don't discriminate. That's true, right? We take all the listeners we can get. We can get some. We can probably get some good ad revenue, you know, mm-hmm. from that as well. So we'll take. Oh, I can. We'll take anyone. We'll take anyone who wants to listen. We could definitely uh, workshop that name. But that's something that uh, that I'm considering uh, is that sort of is that teaser with the uh, the Packers and the Bills. Like I said, I love uh, the uh, not love, but uh, it felt like the right play, or it felt like a, a worthwhile play for my money. Uh, the Marquez Valdez Scantling. First touchdown in the Green Bay Tampa Bay game. Got that at plus two thousand. So cross your fingers for me that Valdez Scantling is the first guy to find the end zone. Have you had time to look for any other of the exotic plays for for the weekend? Or are you saving that for uh, for something to dive into when we get into Friday and Saturday? Yeah, I probably do the Friday. I, I like yours. That's a good. I like the idea. I like the whole reasoning behind it. So I might do MVS. That's a good one. We might be uh, together. But I'll look at. It, but uh, I usually save all that stuff for the Super Bowl. But uh, well, these games is obviously going to be a lot to watch for, so I'll definitely look at uh, some odds. You know, Williams had a big game last week for the Chiefs. He's kind of a sleeper; don't really realize how good he is. So I might be a guy yeah. to look at. Yeah, right. It's always those are always uh, some fun ones and some fun ways to uh, you know. Uh, sort of not you know sort of jazz up the dance card uh, for what you're going to be doing right when we're when you and I are doing this in the regular season we've got 14 games 15 games 16 games all the sides all the totals we got so much to get through we just have two games this weekend so it's a good way to diversify we'll be sure to so- throw some more out there over the weekend and as you said Vic we will definitely be getting into that in a big way when we are back for our Super Bowl show. Two weeks from now, we will be off next week. Obviously, no football next week, so we will have no version of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast and Athletic Football Show, at least our version. We'll not be here with you next week because we really wouldn't have too much to talk about, but we will be back with you for the Super Bowl where we will get into whoever it is from the NFC and whoever it is from the AFC, the sides, the total, and all of the props that are available to us as well. Maybe we can get Lady Gaga in a huge, uh, you know, gold uh, dove lapel pin. Maybe that can be uh, something that shows up on our prop board. But whatever it is, we are going to have it covered for you right here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast and the Athletic Football Show. Until then, good luck with every single play you make this weekend, I guess, unless it is opposed to what Vic and I are going to play. In that case, thanks for listening. And thanks for listening to all of you out there. We'll be back with you in a couple of weeks. Until then, have a great weekend. Good luck with all your bets as we get ready for what I think is the best weekend of football all season, championship weekend. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.